Friends, welcome to another edition of Coach's Corner. We're going to have a lot of fun today. I've got a friend who I haven't spoken to in many years. I met back in, I'm going to guess, 1995, 1996. It was a big inspiration for me, and I'm so blessed to have him here on our show today. Stay tuned. This is going to be an amazing Coach's Corner. Hollywood. Ring a bell? Everyone likes Hollywood, right? Well, my guest today is Kirk Ashley. Kirk was uh, a trainer at the Life Mastery event in Hawaii, of all places I was at. It was really a lot of fun. I think it was back in 1996, I'm going to guess, and maybe 97, but I think maybe it was 96. And we would get up every morning. Uh, you know, Tony Robbins would keep us in the room till I don't know, uh, 2 o'clock in the morning or so. And then we'd get up real early and get out uh, on the lawn with Kirk Ashley, and he would give us these exercises to do, and they were amazing. I noticed right away that, you know, when I was standing up for the rest of the day, shoulders were back, I was standing taller, I had a lot more energy, and it really connected with me, and I, I decided I, I got to meet this guy, I got to find out more about him, and we became friends, and I used to, you know, I was living back in Long Island, I used to call him every once in a while, and he inspired me to get into juicing and healthy foods and eating organically, and uh, he's been a big inspiration, and it's so good to have him back, it's been, it's been a while, he's been working with actors, he's been working with athletes. Athletes. He's got systems that really help people uh, perform at much higher levels than they would normally. And uh, he's a really good guy to know. If you don't know him, you're going you're gonna to meet him today, and I think you're going to love him as much as I do. Kirk, welcome to the program, my friend. Well, Robert, it is awesome. And, you know, talking earlier, 25 years. I know. Too long, crazy. Huh? <laughs> too, too just long. how quickly that 25 too. years passed. So, yeah, well, you know, we keep busy. We have a lot. Thanks of stuff for having going me. On. And yeah, it's, it's really a, a blessing to have you here. I was really looking forward to this. I saw that you pop up in the in the in the feed. I'm like, you know what? We need to have Kirk on the show and have a, a conversation where we can share it with everyone, because I think this is uh, real important. Now, you're not in Redondo Beach anymore. You've moved uh, quite a ways away. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, well, in uh, 97, I was uh, asked to come save a, a company's business here in Australia. And originally when I got here, you know, th uh, they told me they sold children's educational products. And when I came here, they found out that they sold encyclopedias door to door. So they were kind of stretching that one a little bit. And so I trained all their sales teams and, you know, I was here for about a year and they never paid me. And they left me stranded living in a sheep shearer shed down in New South Wales, which wow. is a state. And so now I was homeless in two countries because I could at the same time. So I'm kind of like breaking a record because I couldn't even fly home to be homeless. I went through all my savings trying to stay afloat here. And the funny part was, is that I made it back to Brisbane, which is in Queensland. And uh, it's where I knew a few people. And somebody had seen me speak about eight months earlier and said, man, if you ever want to produce your live event, I would love to do that. You know, I've never really done it before. I never really called the guy. Well, here I'm homeless and I'm going through my belongings and I find a guy's card and I figured you might as well give him a call, make enough money to get yourself out of here. And so um, we decided to do a paid event. And so I started doing free events to promote that paid event. And at one free event, I asked who here remembers the person who stood on the third box at the Olympics and everybody rush out to buy your book thinking, oh, gee, how'd you get third? And this woman stands up and she said, I was third on the third box at the Olympics. 
And I said, ma'am, uh, I wasn't, and, whoa, you're a big girl too, I can see. I said, ma'am, I wasn't picking on you. I don't even know who you are. And she said, no, she said, I'm pissed off because everything you said today was true. Mm. My name's Natalie Cook. I won bronze at the Atlanta Olympics for beach volleyball. Will you take me to win gold at Sydney? And so for two and a half years, I worked with the girls. And at September 25th at the 2000 Olympics in Sydney, we won the gold medals, beating the best team in the world, the Brazilians. And by then I fell in love with the country and have been here ever since. Wow. That is an amazing story. Whew. So tell it us was a, a bit... tough job, Robert. Yeah, yeah. Two tough... girls in bikinis and they <laughs> on beaches around the world and they paid me for it. <laughs> you went from homeless to that. How did you do that one? <laughs> it's a great story. Well, it, yeah, well, it was a, wasn't a bad job. No, not at all. What are you doing these days? Well, I'm still coaching and I do speaking engagements around the world. Uh, I'm the author of the number one best-selling book, How Would Love Respond? Um, which I'm very proud of. It's been a bestseller now for 11 years. I'm busy writing another book, which is going to be turned into a movie in Hollywood. Um, they're doing a documentary right now on me for Netflix. Uh, so, you know, I always stay busy. There's always something going on. So good that you have so many projects going on. I really love that about you. You've never, you've never been one to sit on your laurels and, and wait for things to happen. You go out there and make them happen. So, let's... Well, you know, Robert, life travels really fast. It does. And, you know, I, I believe the purpose of life, number one, is to enjoy it. And the second one is to examine as many awesome experiences you can get in before the ride's over. And, you know, in 1989, I was doing a Chuck Norris film where I was involved in a helicopter crash where uh, five of my friends died. And, you know, my friend was 29 years old when he died in my arms. He was on fire when I pulled him out of the wreck. And so... Every moment since then, it's been like living on borrowed time is to make sure you jam in as much as you can before the ride's over. And and that's how my life has become what it is. And it's an inspiration to so many as well. So we really appreciate uh, seeing you do that and having that attitude because it really is infectious to a lot of people will see that and they'll go, you know, maybe I should be doing more. You know, what am I doing with my life? And yeah, absolutely great. So let's get into this idea I have here on the, on the screen. It says the transformer. That's kind of your, your moniker these days. Tell me a little bit about that and what you do with that. Well, I'll tell you, Robert, that came from uh, Steve McLaughlin. He produced the movie I, Robot with Will Smith and a guy named Marty Weiss, who's a writer for Disney. And they contacted me because Marty's, Marty's obviously Jewish, lives in Beverly Hills. He a very successful writer for film industry. And his daughter, who was 14 years old at the time, came home one day with a Mexican accent. And he thought it was all very funny and whatever, you know, but then it kept going on and then her behavior was really going south into the point. And he's trying all these different ways to connect with her and, and, you know, and discipline her and whatever he could become her friend, you know, more of a friend. Anyways, it kept getting worse and worse until finally she ran away and uh, he found he was trying to figure out where she is, went through her room, found her journal, and she has joined a Mexican gang mm. um, and uh, that uh, they had a hit out on his life and were going to take all his stuff and the rest of those things. And then talking to other parents in Beverly Hills that this is a very rampant problem that, you know, people find that whole gang life glorious and glamorous because of Hollywood and videos and the rest of those things. And so he had to send her to a deprogramming camp in Montana for two years at a like $200,000 a year cost. 
And so they were saying, hey, we, we need to do a TV show on this um, to help people because it's going, it's a problem, not just this problem, but also kids going south. Here in Australia, we have the highest youth suicide rate of any country per capita in the world, which doesn't make sense considering we have no real gang problems, you know, crack and the rest of those things, but it's just people have no hope. And so um, they, they, Steve McLaughlin said, well, there is only one guy. He goes, it's Curic Ashley. He goes, that's what this guy does. And so they brought me in and that term, the transformer got kind of tagged with me. And it's just because transformation, well, the A-T-I-O-N at the end of a word means the experience of. Trans means to go beyond. Form means what you have now. So transformation is the experience to go beyond what you have right now. And I guess that's really what I'm kind of famous for doing with people is transform, helping them transform their lives in all areas, business, health and fitness, happiness, relationships, all those things. All those things make us who we are. Really, And it's holistic. Yeah. I mean, what's the point of being rich if you're sick or yeah, being wealthy exactly. if you're lonely? Yep. You know, people think money's going to solve all my problems. The problem is unless you work on yourself, the money's going to amplify your problems. You know, if you're lonely now and you buy a big house to move into, well, now you're really going to be lonely because now you have a lot of rooms to be lonely in. Or you so have a lot of people who pretend to be friends and really aren't. They're there just for the money. It's, yeah. Then so it's about lonelier. learning how to be balanced. Yeah. And then you see a lot of spiritual people, yoga and mindfulness, and, you know, they're broke. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, every issue we have in this lifetime is a self-love issue. If you really loved yourself, would you allow yourself to stay poor? Or would you, you know, inject drugs into your system or be an alcoholic or let the people abuse you in a relationship? Of course not, because that's not how love responds. So it's really about amplifying our own self-love because whatever we're filled with, we're going to spread to everyone around us. That's really great advice. It's like you're making me, you're making me think now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, where does that show up in my world? I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this and, and feeling the same way. So give us a story uh, or two of some of the people you've worked with and some of the transformations, obviously not by name, but uh, some idea of some of the people that you've worked with and how you've taken them from where they were to where they are today. The, the volleyball team was, was quite impressive. I mean, how could you beat the top team in the world, right? Yeah, well, you know, there was uh, about 20 years ago, I was contacted by a bunch of different emails from a bunch of different people. These emails were coming into my office. And they were all asking me to help this one person named Joe in New Zealand. I've never met the person before. I believe she came to one of my programs when I was speaking there, but I don't know everybody in the audience personally. And they kept asking me to help her. And so I asked my staff to send me the emails and I looked at them and I, I'm trying to, I could see some pattern in it. I realized it's actually this person and that this woman's a schizophrenic. And so I found out that she had was diagnosed with seven personalities. She's, you know, a real schizophrenic. And so I wrote each one of the personalities and said, look, this is the client coach confidentiality thing. I can only work with her. So just have her contact me. And so my wife at the time came, it was about five o'clock at night, six o'clock at night. And she comes and she's like, kind of white as a ghost. And she said, she's on the phone. And I said, who? And she goes, Joe. And I go, okay, just put it through to my office. And so she asked me, what are you going to do? And I said, I got no idea, but I will tell you, I would not leave my office until she's one harmonized human being. 
And five and a half hours later, Robert, I came out of my office and she's one harmonized human being and has been. And I just heard from her recently. It's 20 years later. And she's um, got a job. She's got friends. She's in martial arts. Uh, she, she's in a network marketing business, all these things that she had no life before. And she's one harmonized human being. Uh, two years ago, I just worked with a gentleman here in Australia and helped him cure himself of Tourette's syndrome. And, you know, he had really aggressive Tourette's and now he has none. Uh, a gentleman same year had really aggressive cancer, like a 30% chance of survival and cured himself in like uh, four months. Uh, businesses that, you know, there's a organic little uh, fruit shack run by some hippies. They were in it for 25 years, worked with them. And six months later, they were doing $22 million a year with a 14% profit. So, but it's tactical, it's tactical. It, 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 this is not about me. It's a formula. And I just plug kind of people into the formula and work on those different components. And that's why you get real transformation. Let's talk a little bit about that formula because I think that that people would uh, would resonate with really understanding. You know, it's like a lot of us go through life haphazardly or fly by the seat of our pants, make decisions on the fly, make decisions as things pop up, or we're we're reserved and, and go through life in fear and don't make any decisions. And life kind of makes the decisions for us, right? And then we go, well, life kind of sucks. Well, it sucks because the decisions you've made or the decisions you failed to make along the way, right? Absolutely. And so the strategy for decision-making, because first, you know, Robert, it's funny, you get like five of your friends together, you're playing cards and you go, you hungry? I'm hungry, hungry, hungry. Everybody's hungry. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? Somebody says pizza. Oh, thank God. Somebody <laughs> made a decision. Right. And then one guy goes, hey, you know, pizza, you know, I'm trying to lose some weight. Okay. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? So they can't even decide where to eat. The thing is that we need to think to create right? Creative thinking, but we need to feel to decide. And so I always say is get yourself in a good emotional place because you never want to make decisions from a bad emotional place because you'll always pay for that decision. But get yourself in a good emotional place and then ask yourself, how do I feel about this? And that's your spirit you're really talking to. And your spirit has never done us wrong. That's why we've always had those feelings. Then we think our way past that. Like, oh, well, maybe the money's good or that. And then later on, you're slapping yourself in the forehead going, why didn't I just listen to myself? Mm -hmm. We're talking about our spirit again. So when you feel your decision, you'll always make the correct decision. And you, you just, so I make all my decisions. There's times I'm offered a lot of money for deals or whatever, and I, something just doesn't feel right. And I go, not for me, thank you. And even if that deal makes a lot of money for somebody else, to me, it still wasn't my deal. So I always live with my decisions that way. Not making a decision, though, is going to a decision will be made on you then. And you're probably always going to be disappointed with the results that come from that. Really true, because you see you see a lot of people who are going through life right now, especially with the, in the face of COVID and everything that's been going on for the last four years. And you see them just they're even more reserved or recoiled, I, I would call it, than they would normally be. Normally we'd be out there doing a lot more, but you know, COVID has put the, you know, the cloud of fear in everybody and everyone's like, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And, and it was shocking. I don't know how it was where you are, but it was pretty shocking as a business owner to be told uh, by the governor here in California to lock up your business and don't come back until we tell you to. 
it was it was a shock to the system because you go, wait a minute, I can't do my business, I can't run my business. My business is helping people out of those situations, helping them through the fear, and I can't come here to, to do that. Um, so it was a wake-up call for a lot of people, and I think for some, it woke them up. For me, it certainly did. I have a newfound energy that, that I didn't have before, a new direction, new everything. Um, but for a lot of other people, it had the opposite impact. It had people who are uh, you know, refusing to get out of bed, refusing to take that next step forward, refusing to do anything because this fear really affected them and impacted them emotionally. How would you, how would you um, help somebody in that kind of situation? Well, you know, Robert, the funny thing is my business, I'm a public speaker, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, it definitely affected my business. Yeah. You know, let's take the emotion and all the story off of this. COVID is just another one of those obstacles, one of those challenges that happens in life. It's not COVID, by the way, it's going to be something else, right? Oh, the GFC, the global financial crisis in 2008. It was so cool. We had to give it an acronym, the GFC, and <laughs> people are jumping out of windows and freaking out. You know, by the way, more people have died from KFC than GFC, but I don't see people killing themselves when they walk by the colonels. So oh, true. First, you know, so part of that formula that we're talking about, first, if you have the right mindset, right? So um, I've been friends with a guy named Sylvester Stallone since I was like 18 years old. And Sly's always been a great mentor of mine. And, you know, in those days, a lot of times I was living in my car and homeless. And Sly always used to say to me that money is a mindset. And I go, well, that's easy for you. You got some. And he goes, Kirk, that's where you're falling down. Once you have the right mindset, it will only be a matter of time that your results will catch up with your mindset. And last time I, I had lunch with Sly in Beverly Hills just before COVID, because I was on stage here in Sydney with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sly found out about it a couple of months before I was on stage and had me come and had Arnold Schwarzenegger at the table. But as soon as I walked in the restaurant, Sly looked at me and goes, finally got that mindset right, huh, Kirk? And I go, oh, that's funny, Sly. And he goes, you remember that? And he goes, oh, no, you were funny. You were so insistent on keeping your... Um, so it's a mindset. And then the next thing is develop some new skill sets, right? So in the formula that I'm talking about, the first thing we have to do is reinvent ourselves because the world's always changing anyways. COVID just kind of was like this you know, lump sum of a quick transformation of what's going on in the world. But, you know, imagine the people who were still selling records when CDs came in or, you know, still had, you know, a blockbuster video store when streaming was coming in. You know, the people were hanging on to it. So this is always going on. So we have to reinvent ourselves. Now, by the way, having that mindset and developing new skill sets, as you see, that is how you reinvent yourself. So for myself and my business, I had to learn how to be better at doing online things and those those kinds of processes. I still did get three of my live workshops in, in between lockdowns and those things. One of them, we had to return like 25 tickets because here in Australia, in those days, you couldn't travel interstate, uh, those kinds of things, but you deal with it. So you had to reinvent yourself. And the next thing is that successful people, we set grand dream goals. So we don't set small piddly goals. We set grand dream goals because grand dream goals are the goals that give you the most amount of joy to experience. So they don't have to be big. They don't have to be expensive. They can be, but that's not the criteria. It's the grand dream goals that force us into growth because you're going to have to reinvent yourself 
to achieve those grand room goals. So that means you're going to have to learn new strategies, ask better questions, ask for help, those things. But once you grow in that area, you'll never shrink back to your original version. It's interesting that uh, our school system, you know, we went through uh, regular school, public school, Catholic school, that kind of thing. Teach nothing about this. Teach nothing about using emotions, nothing about mindset, nothing about belief systems, nothing about any of that stuff. They just stick to what they call the fundamentals, which don't prepare you for life, right? And then we come out, it's like, well, we're, we're meant to be adults who are supposed to be, you know, productive members of society, but we're a mess. And, and we can't achieve at a higher level because we've never been trained. And it's, I always make sure that people understand that it's not necessarily their fault. They were put into a system that was designed so that they fail, right? That's correct. They, they don't want you to think because if, they, if you think, you'll, you'll change your situation. Most people would rather die than think. Yet, you know, you have to become a free thinker. And, you know, so there's two groups on the planet there. It's a pyramid. So on the top of the pyramid is called the minority. The bottom of the pyramid is the majority. Why is the bottom? Well, because it takes more room to house more people right down here. Now, if you think about the majority for a moment, um, nine, you know, 3% of the population writes down their goals every year. That means 97% don't even have any goals. Now, people might say, now, wait a minute. Um, just because I don't write them down doesn't mean I don't have them. Well, actually it does because the first step to having goals is to write them down because you're taking them from the formless, the thought, into the form that you're in the world. That's the hardest part of it, by the way, right there is getting from the formless into the form. So 97% of the population don't have any goals. 60% of all marriages are ending in divorce only to get married again, to get divorced again. Uh, Obesity is now at 70%. That's the majority, right? Um, The the most consumed drug on the planet are known as antidepressants. The most consumed, that would mean most amount of people using it. So that's the majority. The minority, well, we don't think like the masses. We don't act like the masses, and we produce the result the masses don't get. And it's the minority that changes the world. It's the majority that waits for it to be changed. It's known as victim mentality. And so we have to be a free thinker to change groups, just like everybody else. Yes, I went to the public school system. My dad's number one line he used to say was, first he used to call me lazy because, Kirk, you want to get anywhere in life, you got to work hard. Well, my dad, Mr. Integrity, he's my hero. I'm his only child. My dad worked hard his whole life, and the only thing he got for it was a hard life because whatever you plant is what you grow. Later on in his life when he got cancer and, you know, he was close to the end of his life, he said, you know what? I should listen to you. You know, you seem like you have a lot more fun. You've made way more money, and, you you know, you've enjoyed the process. He goes, I always thought you were lazy. And I said, Dad, what you labeled as lazy was me saying I want to live my life happy and enjoying right now because you never know when it's over. And if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. It doesn't go to plan. You know, most people, when they say, I'm going to enjoy it one day, someday, they die right before that day. How true. How true. 
Yeah, it's 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 interesting that when somebody's in the the public school system and they come out of that, they're they're taught to memorize and repeat, right? That's how you that's how you pass the courses. You memorize the content and then you repeat back what you've learned in the final exam. And you see that today in the media. People will, you know, you can always tell when they talk uh, about current events. You can always tell where they're getting their news from, right? Because they're they're just repeating what they hear using the same vernacular, the same words, the same everything. And the piece that's missing is the analytical part. It's take it in, yes, but don't just repeat it, spit it out. you got to process it. Does it make sense? Is it logical? Uh, is there a piece missing? Do I have the whole story, right? You start asking all those, those questions. We weren't taught that. We weren't taught how to analyze. Some of us are very analytical. I'm very analytical. I'm sure you are as well. And, you know, we've had that was kind of a gift because we didn't get that in school. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, you're probably like I am, chronically unemployable. Right as entrepreneurs and, and outside the box thinkers, nobody wants to have that that on their team. We're the wrong kind of person for that role. And then when somebody else sees us, they go, "Either you're lazy, you're dumb, you don't follow the rules." But if you look at the most successful people in our society, that's them. They don't follow the rules. They break out and they do things differently. They do it their own way. They find another way. They find a way around it. When there's an obstacle, you know, they look at it and they say, "Okay, there's an opportunity here." Flip the obstacle over, flip it around, look at it from the left, look at it from the right. There's a way under it, over it, around it, or through it. And they're the ones who we cherish in our society. Yet if it's your neighbor, you beat them up. Right? <laughs> so it doesn't make any sense. But that's the way it is. Well, Robert, that's why they say it's lonely at the top. You know, because we can't, we can't hang out with the masses. By the way, Wallace D. Wattles, who wrote the book, The Science of Getting Rich, he right. said, you can't hang out with poor people. He said, don't go give charity. You know, Jesus said, teach them how to fish. Don't give them a fish because fish, well, then they only eat whenever you feed them, but now they're dependent. Yep. And I'm not religious. My mom was Jewish. My dad was Christian. I was just really confused. I didn't, what are these people doing together? In the end of the Bible, Jesus is walking through a village, a community, and he's with a shopkeeper who the shopkeeper invited him to stay at his house that night. And people are begging Jesus, help me, save me, Messiah, cure me, all this stuff. And he's literally pushing these people away and he's angry. And he gets into this, this shopkeeper's house. And he's, the shopkeeper says, Messiah, why are you so angry? He said, because I've taught these people how to do it and they refuse to do it for themselves. He's very, that, by the way, it's very clear what he's saying that you know we're creators we have the ability to think but people would rather die than think they don't want the responsibility because then you know they have nobody to blame so robert what you're saying is we're also known as the weird ones yep right so i've always, i have five brothers and a sister and i've always been the weird one in the family right you know because i i want i had thoughts of being out there and being crazy and being in the movies and all that stuff then i get in the movies and I'm working with big stars and the rest of those things, you know, and now I have two brothers who work in the film industry because I got them jobs, you know, and they're about to retire. They've been in there so long. Then I moved to Australia. Now they're pissed off that, you know, um, you know, I'm, I got my foothold in Hollywood and I'm leaving it. But for me, I wanted to leave Hollywood when I still loved it before I started hating it. But I could see it was starting to turn that corner. Right. It just wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. And so I reinvented myself again. But we are the weird ones until, you know, but if you look at like um, the first commercial for Apple, 
it was here's to the crazy ones and it was Einstein, it was Edison, it was Gandhi, it was Martin Luther King, you know, we're the weird ones until pretty soon the weird becomes the norm. And then you're out there reinventing yourself and you're back to being weird. That's just the way it is. And I'm okay about if you call me average or normal, well, that's the insult. Yeah. Um, if you call me weird, I go, thank you. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> that means I'm doing something right if I'm weird, if I'm not fitting in. I'm not conforming. I'm not part of. Uh, I'm much better than. Yeah, no question. No question. Yeah, this is really good. I, I really love the, uh, the the being able to think. And it's not that people so much are, are lazy. I think a lot of people would like to know how to do this but they haven't been trained. And and it's like looking at Greek on the wall for the very first time. If you haven't been taught how to read it, you ignore it because it doesn't make any sense. And I think they just don't have the skill sets. And, you know, somebody like you coming along and teaching them, that makes a big difference because now they have they have a door open for them that was never open before. Didn't open in, uh, you know, their parents didn't know, so they didn't get taught by their parents. Then they went into the school system. The indoctrination was was pretty intense there. Even back in the 60s, 70s, when we were in school, it was we were still being indoctrinated, right? And it's more intense now than, than it had been. And then they come out of that, and they, they still don't have any exposure to it. Then they go into, uh, you know, the, the job force, the workforce. And they're taught by teachers who never left the system. People don't re realize this. A teacher goes to school, kindergarten, all the way up to their PhD, and the moment they graduate, what do they do? They make a U-turn, go right back into the school. They've never been out in the real world. They've only been in academia. And these are the people that are teaching you how to survive and thrive in the real world. If a teacher can only teach you what they know, how are you learning it? That's why we have someone like Kirk on, on the show. That's why we have to change our questions, see, because the quality of our communication, the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our communication and the quality of our, first, how we communicate with ourselves and then how we communicate with others. But you're not going to communicate differently with others until you start communicating differently with yourself. Then the quality of our communication, Robert, and you hit the nail on the head, is from the quality of questions that we ask. And so we have to learn how to ask better questions, like why questions, why did this happen? Why did they do this to me? Is always gonna be a disempowering question because the answer is gonna just make you feel bad and stay where, keep you where you are. So if you watch Jerry Springer, you know, the funny thing is Tony Robbins had a TV show on it, lasted two episodes and was canceled because Tony was trying to help people. And Jerry Springer has been on 25 years. And if you see Jerry Springer now, Jerry doesn't even, I've met Jerry before, he doesn't even know what the show's about until he walks out and reads the card because why would he? You know, like who cares? Like what research does he do? And he lifts up his glasses and kind of, you see him do one of those like, okay. And the person says, uh, you know, honey, you know, I love you. I would never hurt you, but a buddy races everything that comes before the word yeah. but. So basically you just said is I don't love you and I'm about to hurt you on international TV, but I've been cheating on you with you know, your dad, your brother, your dog, your sheep, whatever that is, you know. And then the person says, why? Why would you do that to me? Now, here are some of the answers. Um, I'm gay. You're gay. I don't like you. Never. Sex was always bad. I like your father. I'm into sheep. I was drunk. Now, which one of those answers makes you feel good? Well, none of them. They all make you feel worse. Instead, if you just ask yourself, okay, what am I going to do with this information that's going to make my life even better? Well, for me, I would say, Jared, thanks for you know pointing this out for me. Have a great day. And I'd get up and walk away. That's not good TV, obviously. Right. 
Yeah, the thing is that, you know, I learned, I've taught myself how to ask questions that are only focused on the outcomes that I want to achieve and nothing else. And why is always a disempowering question. Now, people say, but what if I, it's my why for why I'm doing something? Well, that's about your purpose. That's a whole different kind of why question. But when we're asking why, or, and then people kind of disguise the why question. So, um, uh, what was their intention behind that? It's still a why question. Instead, focus on the outcome because we don't even need to know the past. We don't need to know the problem because by the way, the why question, you might not even get the real answer. And now you're trying to solve something that's not even the real answer. If you just ask for outcomes, you'll get the answer, take the action on those and you, your life changes. It's so true. Uh, why question? I think I remember Tony Robbins talking about this. It's like there's an infinite number of whys, right? You can never get to the end of that list. That list can be as long. And, and you're right. It's disempowering. It's also confusing because you have you never never know which one it might actually be. So it, yeah, it doesn't doesn't help at all. Every time you ask the why question, and we have this we have this desire to know, right? We have this desire to understand and analyze and, and all the rest of that. Sometimes that's disempowering too. It's our ego, E-G-O, edging God out. When we buy into our ego, it gets us into all kinds of trouble. Now, the ego has a, a value to it. Got to remember, everything in the universe has a positive intention attached to it. It's trying to get us to evolve. It's just that for a lot of these things, people turn the volume up so loud on it, and then it, it's disempowering. So there was a doctor, a scientist, I forget the guy's name off the bat, but he said that everything has is good and bad. It just depends on at what percentage is it in your life. So here in Australia, obviously, we have a lot of eucalyptus trees because the koala bears love them. Now, eucalyptus oil, if you drink it, it will kill you. But if you put eucalyptus in a diffuser, it will clear your bronchial. So you see at a different percentage, one of them is good for you, one of them is bad for you. And so when we turn our ego up, you know, yeah, it definitely gets us in trouble. It has a value. It's important that we do love ourselves and that we do have self-certainty and certainly self-acceptance. Because I ask audiences all the time, who here has ever done anything bad? You know, and I said, for the people who aren't raising your hand, lying is bad. Uh, you know, we've all done inappropriate things, but the creator gave us the, the ability to choose. Now, if that was wrong, why did the creator make us that way when the creator could have made us perfect? And if we weren't, why didn't the creator just change it? What, he stopped creating? He took a vacation? I mean, evolution is happening everywhere else in the universe. Why wouldn't we just evolve? Because that is our evolution. It's our imperfectness that makes us perfect human beings. But instead of buying into, oh, I screwed up, I did something wrong, I hurt somebody, I made an appropriate choice, if you learn from those things, it will make you a better person, and that was the purpose of that. I love, I love this, Kirk. I, I love this, this analogy that you're bringing up. This makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, I, I often, not to get into the, the religious stuff, but I often ask people about the Bible, and they say, well, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible is everything. I said, so why did God stop talking to us 2,000 years ago? Dead silence, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Jesus is in, in his own word. Now, the reason, the funny part is, Robert, is in New Zealand uh, about 15 years ago, I had some two clients, uh, husband and wife, who are very devout Christians. And they started off because they coached with me for a year. And they said, Kirk, please don't pass on your spirituality and your Buddha and all this stuff, you know, because we're, 
devout Christians. I said, I don't sell spirituality, you know. And at the end of the year, one of their things was they had, uh, the wife had 14 miscarriages, tried for 13 years to have a baby. Now in her 40s, told it's impossible to have kids. Within four months of working with me, she got pregnant. They now have like a 15-year-old uh, named Anthony. And at the end of the coaching year, they said, um, how is it for a guy who's never read the Bible, you know more about Jesus than we do? And I said, because when you're open, you receive the information. And so they said, if we sent you a Bible, would you read it? And I said, yeah, of course, I'll read it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't have a religion, so don't expect me to turn Christian. Um, I'm not Jewish either. I just, you know, I'm very spiritual. And so I read the Bible, and in it, Jesus, in his own words, in red, right? It means he, that's his words. He said, even the least among you can do all that I have done and even greater things. And what he's saying is when he says, follow me, he didn't mean follow me like I'm in front of you. He meant follow my instructions, follow what I'm doing, and you'll get the same result. By the way, that would be physics also is cause and effect. Do this, get that response. He was very clear. And that's why at that end, when he's upset, he's saying, I taught you how to do it, and you're refusing to do it for yourselves. And so is the creator stop creating no, because also in the Bible, it says that man was created in God's image. Well, if God looked in the mirror, was he seeing a fat man, white man, black man, oriental man, what man? Woman, which one? Well, that would be kind of separatist if he was seeing only a white man or only a black man or only a short man or only a man, not a woman. Well, if the creator looked in the mirror, if we could personify this, the creator would see the creator. So we were created in the in God's image, which means we're creators, we're co-creators, because we have the ability to think, which then processes into action, which produces the result. And by the way, that's the formula for all creation. Anything that's on this planet that man has created started as an idea, that idea got put into an action, and the action produced the result. Very true. Very true. I, I, you know, listen to a lot of Esther Hicks, and I'm sure you do as well. And, you know, there's a lot of that uh, same kind of content there. It just makes a whole lot of sense. It was the first thing that actually resonated with me as far as the spirituality went. It was like, yes, she's got it. And it's clear. And it's exactly that's the system. That's the formula. That's how the universe works. And it was the first time I got it. Reading the Bible didn't do it. Going to Catholic school didn't do it. But that did it for me. So, yeah, you're 100 percent right on that one. Now, People have, and we're seeing this probably more now than at any time in history, we're seeing a lot more apathy in society. People are not taking action. They should be. They should be standing up. They should be, uh, you know, taking action. Uh, it's, in this country, it's, it's the weirdest thing not to see any of that happening. Uh, we see it in other countries. People are stepping up and saying, no, this is not what we want anymore, and they're pushing back. United States, flatlining. We're not seeing anything. What are, what are some of your thoughts on that? The only way we can ever help people become happy, healthy, wealthy, and successful is for us to be happy, healthy, wealthy, and successful first. And as I said earlier, Robert, whatever we're filled with, we're going to spread to everyone around us. So if you're filled with fear, you're filled with scarcity, you're filled with being pissed off, those people certainly spread it. If you're filled with happiness, if you're filled with love, if you're filled with abundance, you'll spread it. And so it's not only our birthright to have everything we want, it's also our obligation, because if we're not part of the solution, we are definitely part of the problem. 
one of those laws of physics, by the way, everything I teach is based in those laws so that it works for everybody. There's no limitations. It's not prejudiced. It's not biased. It's not racist. It's not for special people or lucky people. It's cause and effect. And one of those laws is called the law of polarity that says everything has to have polar opposite sides in order for it to exist, for it to exist. So you, that means you can't have a top without a bottom. You can't have a right without a left. You can't have an inside without an outside. It also means that all of our problems have to have solutions. And it also means that any disease that's on the planet, there has to be a natural cure for it because the law of polarity says that. And so if we're not gonna be part of the solution, we are automatically part of the problem. There is no such thing as a neutral. You'll notice there's two terminals on a car battery. One's positive, one's negative. Now, the positive is represented by the plus sign. Plus sign in mathematics means adds to, adding more power to, empowering, adding power to. Negative means takes away. Now, isn't it funny? But there's no neutral terminal. So if we're not one, by default, we're being the other. And so just by us being that person, and, and being that person consistently. And if you want your limitations in life, you keep defending them. So instead of me, I don't get in conversations with people where I get to defend myself. I just act consistently and congruently with who I am. And then I have people from all over the world sign up for coaching with me or buy my book. And they go, I don't even know what the hell you sell. I just want that. I want to be happy. I want to be fit and healthy. By the way, Robert, just to let you know is, Today, if I participated in time, today would have been my 62nd rotation around the sun, right? I still got abs. I'm still rocked out. You know, Sly 77 this year. He's still got guns. Arnold 74 this year. He's rocked out. They're redefining what getting older is all about. And then my thing with all those people is if they can do it, I can do it. And if nobody else is doing it, I'm going to be the first one with it. And so it's just about holding true to that. But, you know, even Martin Luther King, I saw a documentary on him recently. He had anxiety. He was having anxiety attacks. He was terrified that he was going to, his family was going to be hurt. He was going to be killed. Yet he knew I still got to deliver my message. If I don't, we're in real trouble. And that last night in Memphis, he was going to go speak to a union, right? And he knew that he was going to be killed. He had threats and all kinds of stuff. He knew it. He either got a message or whatever. He was having bad anxiety in his hotel room and decided, and he already told the, the promoters of the event, I'm not coming tonight. So they were doing the rally anyways, and then he just showed up. And if you watch that last speech, he's looking around the room. He's looking for a gunman. You can see his eyes darting back and forth. And then the next morning he was killed. Martin Luther King, that in that speech says, you can't take me anymore because I've already started the movement. You can't kill me anymore. So true. You might take my body, but I've already started the movement. And he's very clear on his message. So for all of us who are going to want to change this planet, because by the way, if we buy into what's going on, we've already lost. But... You know, what did Jesus do or Gandhi do or anybody who's ever made transformation? By the way, you don't have to be known or famous for doing this. You could be doing it in your family, be doing it in your relationship. You could be certainly doing it with your kids, your community, your country and the world. And for all of us who are in the public, like myself and yourself, Robert, 
is that, you know, okay, what message are we sending? And mine is, you know what, I just, I'm kind to everybody. And I always am smiling. And I, um, you know, during COVID, I'd walk into the grocery store and ask people who are working there, how you doing? One woman behind the deli counter burst into tears. Yep. She said, you know, everybody's been so mean. You're the first person to just even care enough to ask. <laughs> but, how, but now now that COVID's gone, you walk in, everybody knows your name. Yep. Because they remember the way you treated them. So if you fill yourself first, every morning when you wake up, fill your bucket up because it's empty every morning when you wake up, fill it up with goodness by doing your affirmations, reading your goals, exercising, meditating, all those things. So that when you walk out the door, your tank is so filled with feeling good. There's no room for people to put their garbage in it and their drama. But if you leave that empty, don't be surprised. People throw their garbage in there and you feel bad. Now you're with them. Now you, you've won them. See, if you hang out with poor, angry, pissed off people, you become one. If you have positive, happy, successful people, you become one because we're a product of our environment. This is so good. We could, you could write a book just on this content alone. <clears throat> this is fantastic. Oh, hey, doctor, doctor, you know, remember Dr. Bill Toth, right? I'm still very close to Dr. Bill. He calls you the rock all the time. I know he's always, uh, he's always a big fan of yours. Always been. So yeah, he, you he came, out, he came out to Australia for my first wedding. Did he Robert. really? Wow. Funny thing is I sent him a list of my goals when I first moved here uh -huh. that I was going to take athletes to the highest pinnacle that I was going to start doing corporate work. And then I would write him when I was make, knocking down these goals. And so I invited him out to my first wedding. And he said to me, he goes, you know, Kirk, I actually thought you were lying. He goes, you know, I read your goal list and here you are one by one knocking them down. He goes, that was impossible, but here's your two gold medalists standing right here and they just put the gold medals around his neck and he's got pictures with the gold medals around his neck. He goes, it's the craziest thing ever. Yeah. I said, why would I lie about it? And he goes, it was just, it was just too unbelievable. I go, um, okay. believing it is how it became real though. Right. For you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that I do with all, because every team I've worked with, every athlete I've worked with, I don't even know the sport usually have all won, but I cheat. I choose winners people who are willing to do what average people aren't willing to do yeah. is the first criteria. A lot of times I'll tell them no at the beginning. I want to see how are they going to respond to it? Are going to go, no, I'm not taking no for an answer because that's what average people don't, the, the successful people do that average people don't is they don't take no for an answer. They're going, I'm still getting my outcome. If you ever read biographies, autobiographies, study successful people, we all say, I don't know how I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it anyways. Yep. We'll figure it out it's on the way or the information comes to us as well as we make, take those steps forward. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's the decision right mm -hmm. there. Yep. Yep. And it's the request to the universe story. to say, Hey, help me. You know, this is what I want to create. The universe is there to support us and, and it'll bring the information. It'll bring the people, the resources, the money, whatever it is, but you got to have that, that vision first. It doesn't come from Yes, Because in life you're going to either evolve or you're going to dissolve, right? You're either going to grow or decay. Remember law of polarity. Yep. If you're mm -hmm. not doing one, you're doing the other. Yep. Well, the universe itself is the totality has to follow the same laws of the universe because that is the universe. And so the universe itself also needs to keep evolving. Otherwise it too will dissolve. So as soon as we start evolving ourselves, the universe comes on board because it's helping the growth and the transformation of the universe. If not, Dissolving is also known as fertilizer. So in the universe, it uses even stuff that's decaying as fertilizer to help everything else grow. 
well, here I live in the countryside. I have 14 acres on a farm here on the Sunshine Coast. Um, you'll see that if you drive around on the country roads here, people sell horse poop for like $2 a bag because that's fertilizer. So my little motto for life is I'd rather be the plant or the tree instead of the poop fertilizing the tree. Yep. So it, we're one or the other. And again, that comes from that decision of going, man, I'm going to keep growing because then the universe gets behind you. But if you if you just check in with your thoughts and ask yourself, that thought I just had or that thing I just said, is that helping me get my goals or keeping me from it? Is this making me grow or making me shrink? Am I evolving or dissolving? Is that empowering or disempowering? Now, if it's disempowering or negative, don't go idiot. Now we're being disempowering about being disempowering. That's really disempowering. Mm -hmm. Instead, go, man, I'm so proud of myself that I caught it. That's awesome. Now you're teaching yourself to become more aware. Then make the changes. Celebrate that because then we're teaching ourselves how to make changes. Then when you create the change, celebrate that. And what we're doing is we're just creating a new system because positive reinforcement is how all intelligent mammals truly learn and make transformation. So true. So true. Kirk, on your website, you're giving away a free book. Tell us a little bit about that. And, well, on the website, I have a bunch of free things now that I, because by the way, we're moving it over to another platform, Robert. I just noticed myself. So I have a, a brand new program called Stop What's Stopping You, which is about procrastination. It's a three-part masterclass. Uh, one of my favorite programs that I give away is called uh, Get Out of Your Bad Mood. And it's very pertinent to what we were talking about because for me, any mood that we're in that doesn't support your happiness and your success is deemed as a bad mood. And here's the, the best part of that, Robert, is that the key distinction, there it is again, that little bit between successful people or that, that minority and the masses is that we all go through the same stuff. Everybody's got fear. Everybody's got doubt. Everybody's got insecurity. Everybody went through COVID or the global financial crisis. Successful people, though, we learn how to manage how we think and feel differently about those situations, which then means we can act differently about it, which is going to produce a different result. And so the get out of your bad mood, it's again, it's all these are real programs. My criteria is always, it's so good, I got to charge for that. And they're never big sales events for me. That's not, that's not what I do. My thing's about adding value to people. Um, money's easy. Because money is the byproduct of adding value. It's the seed. If you add, you know, when I, instead of asking my business, how am I going to make more money this year? I'm always asking, how can I add more value to more people? And the money just kind of shows up. It's easy that way. And so there's free programs. And then you get on my database and you'll get alerted to the web webinars we do and other trainings and the rest of those things. And all my all my online stuff, none of it's big sales events. Outstanding. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate having you here today, and uh, we'll send people to your website, CurricAshley.com. Curric is, is amazing, as you've just learned, and uh, he's got a lot to share. Get on his website. Go find out uh, the other things that he's got available there. Get on his mailing list so you can keep in touch with what he's up to and where he is. And I hear he's coming stateside not uh, too long in the future. True. I am. Yes, I have, uh, looks like, two events coming up in Vegas. And we're putting some more on the boards. Also, Robert, love to come visit in San Diego and be live in the studio with yep. you. Because what a great looking set you have, man. <laughs> Thank you. And just give you a hug after all these years. It's been way too long. <laughs> it's been way too long. Here's here's the set. You can see the, the larger shot of it. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. That's full on. 
yeah, it's been, it's been 25 has been a long time and it's been uh, but you know we, we've always been touching base a little bit here and there i know our emails have crossed paths several times and so good to have you here and so good to be able to spend this time with you thank you so much for your time today thanks for having me robert and just awesome to reconnect Thank you, too. This was great. All right, everyone, uh, we're going to end the the show for today. Thank you so much for watching. If you like it, give it a thumbs up. Please share it with your friends and followers, and we look forward to seeing you on the next edition of Coach's Corner. Thanks for watching.